Put your hand on your heart. We just say, Lord, we invite you to do what you want to do in this space. We thank you, God, for that beautiful expression of worship that we got drawn into. And we ask, Lord, that you will just continue to reach in and draw us out of where we are and into you, God. Just draw us right into your heart tonight, Jesus. We need you. We really need you, God. I humble myself before you and I yield. I just invite you all, would you all just humble yourselves before the Lord in your own heart. Just, we humble ourselves before the teacher, before the father, before you, Jesus, and say, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to continue talking about these, uh, these core values expressed in paradox. Who's been here as I've uh, preached this in the last uh, maybe month or so? Uh, we, we talked about intimacy and... Okay, you were lying. You weren't here. Mystery. Mystery. Yes, if I ask a question, you can answer it. Praise be to God. We're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to wrestle with the, the paradox. I'm going to read it first. Um, which is power and dependence. And this is what we have written. It's on the website if you want to check it out on your own. It's, we have a little booklet as well. But it says uh, for this, power and dependence. Our faith is meant to rest upon power and not words alone, which is 1 Corinthians 2.5. Jesus' resurrection is not a history lesson, but a living testimony that our lives are designed to proclaim and invite the world into. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives inside of us. Our God is a God of miracles. Signs accompany the lives of those who believe what the Bible proclaims. God wills that kingdom fruitfulness flows through our lives. This dynamic expression exudes through weak and humble vessels. Fruitfulness only flows through branches that abide in and depend upon the vine. Dependence on God demands the emptying of self, the eradication of pride and independence, the crucifixion of the flesh. The goal of life is to become perfect worshipers of God all for the glory of his name. He is our only good. Amen. This is a paradox. Power and dependence, power and weakness. The might of God through very frail human beings. Amen. Can anybody relate? I love that when I read the scriptures, I am in awe of God's moving and also sometimes in awe of how messed up these people were. You know what I'm talking about? gives me hope, you know. It's like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm up there. I can be qualified. You know, whenever I'm just feeling disqualified, I'll just read the book of Genesis. And I'm like, never mind. I'm qualified. I do not even come close to some of that stuff, man. Woo, when God chooses you, he just chooses you. Can I get an amen from somebody in the church that that is good news for? I love this paradox in particular um, because it's going to reveal the, the majestic humility of Jesus as we really work into it and let the tension of paradox do its work. And again, to recap for those that haven't been here, a paradox is simply when there are uh, truth, uh, truth is housed within seemingly contradictory statements or, 
or truths. It's as if there's these principles that seem to collide and clash, but somehow truth is held in the tension. I talked a couple weeks ago that paradox helps form a tensioned spirituality, and a tensioned spirituality does two things. It guides us into true knowledge of God, Right? Paradoxes aren't problems to be solved, but they actually create windows that we can gaze through to behold the holy. And so paradox creates this window. It creates a space that we can actually behold God. And paradox also guides us, or guards us rather, from drifting into ideologies, which is when we make part of the truth the entire truth. We make a slice of a pizza the whole thing. And we looked more in depth than that a couple weeks ago, but tonight we're going to wrestle with the, the power and dependence and ultimately getting into the humility of Jesus. I believe that at the heart of this paradox lies a revelation of the incarnation, both of Jesus, but also of who we are as Christians. Uh, as Christians, we are all living in this very paradoxical state where we are experiencing the transcendent, but also the frailty of our humanity, the divinity of God, and then the weakness of who we are as individuals. It's quite a strange tension. Scripture says that we're partakers of the divine nature, but it also says that we're weak and frail and prone to temptation and seemingly always inconsistent. There's a strange paradox of what it means to be a Christian. Amen. God lives inside of us, but they're still us, is what I'm trying to say. And I'm not one of those doom and gloom, we're just sinners. We're not, we're saints, but we're still weak. We're human, we're emotional. We aren't the same day after day after day. We're still tempted. Thankfully, we have a high priest. Before we, we jump in, I think this will set the context for what I'm going to do tonight, is I'm not trying to find balance. Uh, I want to just be clear about that. I think finding balance within Christianity is a fast track to spiritual boredom. <laughs> it's, it's impossible. Uh, when you're just constantly trying to get balance, you just, you just can't do it. There's everything that God is, he is to the absolute degree. When God suffers, like when Jesus hang on the cross, he suffered more than all the suffering of hell. He suffered more than any human. He, he suffered as God. And when God rejoices, he rejoices with more joy than all of the cosmos combined because he rejoices as God. God has the ability to have extreme expressions all housed with his, his own personality. He is the most merciful there will ever be, and he is the most just that there will ever be. He's God. So we're going to just pretty much be bored and find ourselves hitting into the same brick wall if we're trying to find balance in our lives. And I hear statements sometimes, you know, like, like I love the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit's a gentleman, and he would never make people feel uncomfortable. That is true until it's not. If we're honest, that's true until it's not. That, that isn't, that, that's the mind's attempt at defining God. And, and I'm just saying scripturally, the Holy Spirit is not always a gentleman. Like he rebukes the prophet through a donkey, you know. He falls like in an upper room and people think everyone's drunk at like 10 a.m. in the morning. It's not gentleman-like. He doesn't force himself upon us, but he also doesn't come in nice, polite ways that you can fit into a Western church service. 
Oh boy. Oh boy, I said it. We're going there. Right? That, that's an attempt. That statement, though, it's an attempt to balance freedom. God can be free with social acceptance. You know, we, I'll just leave that there. I've heard, I've literally had this conversation with people before. I feel like I have a gift of healing or people have prayed over me that I have a gift of healing. I've, I've had this conversation, but I said, no way, like not me. I don't have enough character. I'm too full of pride. That, that may be true. You, he may have been full of pride, but it's like, if God tells you you have a gift of healing, it doesn't really matter if you have pride. Like it's a gift of healing, right? And there's this tension. People try to balance power with character. They're, they're, they're two, they're two different things. They're two different aspects of relationship with God. And it, again, we just get bored if we constantly think that there's balance. And balance has a tendency of we put limitations upon our relationship with God that, God that God doesn't put on us. And and particularly tonight when we're talking about power and dependence, I'm trying to talk about this because we often try to find a balance. If dependence ultimately is about a heart of purity that leans upon the Lord and power is about the expression of God's manifest presence, we kind of sometimes get in this thing, we need to like balance the two. And we can only go here until I go here. And there is, there is linkage between the two of them, important linkage, but there's also an independent relationship that we have with different aspects of who God is. God is pure, God is holy, God is upright, he is perfect in moral integrity, but he's also powerful. And I know people, has anybody seen that movie, Jesus Revolution? You know, Lonnie, Lonnie Frisbee, that guy was powerful. He knew the power of God. He did not know the character of God. But because he didn't know the character of God didn't mean, no, he knew the power of God. Right? And I've known other people in my life. I know a man, he, was, he, he mentored me for years, and he could literally sit down and pray a whole chapter of Isaiah, like by rote. He, he was in the Word morning after morning, one of the most godly people I knew. But he did not know the power of God. He knew the character of God, but he didn't know the power of God. I, if we want to be like Jesus, we have to know both. If we want to be like Paul, if we want to be like the disciples, like both, it's both. The kingdom's not either or. And sometimes we get in these intellectual dances where it's like, which one's better? And there's like the character camp. Then there's the power camp. And I'm just like, you know what? We want both. So I want to whet an appetite for both. And tonight I'm going to talk about the power of God. The next time I minister, we're going to talk about dependence and human weakness. They're interconnected, but they're also separate. We want to know both. Yeah? I want to know the power of God. I want my faith to rest on the power of God, not the wisdom of man. And I want to be holy like he's holy. I want to be weak and, and leaning like the, like the bride leaning upon the beloved as she came up from the wilderness. I want to live my life with such a lean that if he doesn't hold me up, I can't do anything. Both. Yes, both. That's paradox. So I'm just going to try to, to give you truth. And this, I would say, is just a, a short teaching. And then I believe that God wants to move in power in this room tonight. Amen. So that's why we need the sun stand still because the nursery is supposed to get out in 15 minutes. But we are believing for an extra 15, Lord, by the power of your spirit. 
All right, so let's just say, I'm just going to, I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach, and let's just call this the power of God 101. And it maybe isn't even qualified for a 101, but I think it's good enough to be a 101. It's not a 201, it's not a 301. We can go deep into this stuff. But here's a few verses, all right? 1 Corinthians 2, 4. If you remember no other verses tonight, remember this one. That your faith would rest on the power of God and not the wisdom of man. That's the Apostle Paul. In Hebrews 2, verse 4, it talks about the disciples were going out and witnessing. It says, and God was also testifying with them with signs and wonders and by various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. In other words, God made up his own mind that he was going to back the apostles in the building of the church and the preaching of the gospel with signs of power. And lastly, this is Paul, and I, could, I had to cut this list down. I had like seven. I, I deleted them because of time. But Romans 15, it says, I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, and by the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way down to Elycrium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Amen. God is powerful. One more, this is free. Ephesians 1.19, that your eyes of your heart would be flooded with light. The picture of Paul is his praying that the aperture of your heart would open and you would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you could perceive the exceedingly great power that is toward you who believe. You actually need a spirit of wisdom and revelation to even begin to comprehend how powerful he is and not just that he's powerful, but that it is actually oriented toward you. It is in you. He is powerful. Come on. Come on. I feel him. Woo. All right. So let me build a theology of encountering God in his power for you. So encountering God is not a spectator sport. It's a good word. To behold God is to be transfigured. This is the scriptural pattern. Those who see God die to life as they knew it prior and simultaneously live to something greater than they could imagine before. This is Moses at the burning bush. He goes from tending his father-in-law's sheep. No offense, it is Father's Day. I have an incredible father-in-law, but you're not really thriving if you're tending your father-in-law's sheep. You know what I'm talking about. That's like you're the servant of your father-in-law. <laughs> he goes from tending his father-in-law's sheep to delivering a nation because of an encounter with the power of God. Gideon goes from hiding in a wine press, treading, he, he's, 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 he's pounding wheat. So he's in a wine press with wheat because he's hiding from the Midianites because Israel's afraid and he is afraid. He goes from that to destroying strongholds and delivering a nation because of an encounter with the power of God. Peter goes from a sinful fisherman, in his own words, to the man that was the rock of the church and the apostle of apostles that founded the greatest movement in the history of the world through the authority of Jesus bestowed upon him. Through an encounter. I particularly love Peter's story because we actually follow 
the progression of Peter's growth by his encounters with Jesus. He first encounters Jesus at the calling on the Galilee. He then encounters Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He then encounters Jesus uh, on the, in, the, in the upper room when he appears. He encounters Jesus on the Sea of Galilee again when Jesus resurrects and makes him breakfast. He encounters Jesus on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. He encounters Jesus on Cornelius' house when he has an open vision that opens the door of the gospel to you and me, unless you were born a Jew. There was progressive encounters and a progressive revelation of both who Peter was, but who Jesus was and what the gospel of the kingdom actually meant. It came through encounter. Paul tells us throughout his ministry, I didn't receive this gospel from man or from the mediation of man, but from a revelation, a power encounter. Paul encountered Jesus with power and everything changed. Come on. Encounters with the power of God mark us and shape our sense of identity, calling, and purpose. This is a Jewish scholar. It says, the act of naming someone was a matter of great consequence in the Bible and in the ancient Near East. Indeed, it was widely believed that the name of a thing reflected its essence and very being. In other words, in some sense, the act of naming something meant creating it. The frequency that we see in scripture of people's names being changed because of divine encounter are actually speaking to us, the reader, saying that when you encounter the creator, his creative power is released and it changes. It, it, it recreates you in a sense. So when Jacob encounters God, he leaves Israel. When Saul encounters God, he leaves Paul. When Peter encounters Jesus, when Cephas Simon encounters Jesus, he leaves Peter. There is a DNA shift that takes place through divine encounter, truly. There's creative power when you behold God, it's not a spectator sport. You can't see the living one and leave the same. It's like you hit a rock in a hard place and you're a soft place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When talking about encounters with the power of the spirit, I think it is important to introduce to you a term that has a lot of different meanings and it can go, but I want to I bring clarity to it, which is an understanding of biblical mysticism. Mysticism is something that has long tenure throughout Christianity. And, and the, the best definition that I have found of mysticism actually comes from Henry Nouwen. He says, a mystic is someone who finds their identity through encounters with God's first love. So you see the, the scripture itself is rich with mystical literature of divine encounter of Moses in the bush, Elijah on the mountain, you know, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, the upper room, tongues of fire. You, I mean, you can't really read the Bible and <laughs> if you got rid of God encounters out of the scripture, I don't know what you'd be reading. You'd just be reading some awkward chunks of text because the whole scriptures are telling the story of God initiating moments of encounter between him and humanity. 
where he's introducing himself, where he's changing and he's showing us what we didn't see before. And we've inherited through the scriptures, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, this rich heritage, a library vault of divine encounters. And if you want to go deeper, you can then look the last 2,000 years of the church and there has been generation after generation after generation where God has continued to pursue humanity and bring this ongoing progressive revelation of who he is, who we are as the church and what his kingdom is on the earth, the kingdom that is and the kingdom that's coming. I think that's good. So it's important that we understand that mysticism is not some weird far out thing. Now it can, and this is why some people get the heebie-jeebies when you even use the word mysticism, is because there are times where mysticism goes awry, say awry. We're going to talk about why, and I want to bring some, some, I'm hoping to bring clarity and actually bring a safety to you for why it is important that we all become mystics. Those who find identity through encounters with God first love. We want the DNA from the creator. We want the shift. We want to be named. We want vocation. We want our sense of purpose. We want our life to actually be ordered around the revelation that comes through the power of God. So what we want our faith to rest upon. That's what we want the essence of our being is to rest upon the power of God revealed to us through the spirit. So why does mysticism sometimes go awry? There's another word. Bless you, little guy. I just wish I had as much little fear of man as he has. God help us. So another word for you, Gnosticism. Say Gnosticism. Gnosticism is, uh, is the, the, this is what Gnosticism, Gnosticism is a, it, it didn't get maybe termed for a couple hundred years after Jesus, but this was one of the first uh, forms of like heresy that worked its way into the early church. And uh, you'll actually see that specifically John in his writings addresses some of the myths and the heresies of Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, if you're just to define it really simply, it's this, you can go deep if you want to go deeper, email me. I'll give you stuff you can read. But this is what Gnosticism does at the root level. It's the exaltation of the spirit to the negation of the body. It's an overemphasis on the spirit realm to the neglect of the natural realm. Within the church, it often can manifest as an obsession and a complete occupation with heaven to the abandonment and the denial of the earth. So it's, it's, it's where the spirit, it becomes all about the spirit and, it, and we start to, to not matter. So the early Gnostics, they would say things like Jesus was a spirit. He died as a spirit on the cross, but he wasn't really a body. He wasn't really a human. Right? It's more subtle in how it shows up throughout the, the ages of the church, but it is uh, alive and well in the earth today. There is a Gnosticism alive and well in this country. It's, it's, this, is, this is woven into the New Age spirituality movement. It's highly Gnostic in its belief system and the way that it operates. And you'll see manifestations of, of Gnostic thought throughout the last 2,000 years of humanity. It's something that tries to deceive uh, the, the, the church and deceive humanity. And there are often people that uh, they, they, they criticize the charismatic expression of the church because they say this seems like Gnosticism. Uh, I've heard these criticisms, you know, countless hours of spiritual activity, manifestations of power, you shake on the ground, you have revelatory experiences, you have prophetic insights, 
Um, but where is the earthly fruit? Say fruit. I've heard this criticism. I don't think it's actually all that bad. I think sometimes criticism is helpful. So that's a good question. And John, who again was the writer that addressed the Gnostic deception in the church, he would say things. You'll see this all throughout, particularly 1 John. He talks about the Antichrist. He talks about Jesus coming in the flesh. But he says something in 1 John 4.20. It's a litmus test. He says, if you say you love God, but you hate your brother, which is a hyperbolic way of saying, if you you say you love God, but it's not manifesting in the flesh, it's not showing up in community, you're a liar, which is a really front stark way of saying you're deceived. Are you with me? So why does mysticism get weird and get wonky in the church? It's because if Gnosticism weaves itself into mysticism, we got a problem. Can I get an Amen. We got a problem if Gnosticism is woven into mysticism because mysticism has a highly spiritual component where we are encountering the power of God in the spirit. So how do we identify if our mysticism is healthy or if it's being perverted? Right, this is biblical mysticism and this is important. I want you to write this down or let it just be etched into your mind. Biblical mysticism is when the power of the spirit results in the transformation of our personhood to such degree that the very life of God manifests abundantly through us. Signs and wonders, power, fruits of the Holy Spirit, love. That's biblical mysticism. It is incarnational to the core. We are not spirits that will one day drift to the holy Jerusalem. We are embodied beings that have a, a we are, our feet touch the earth. We're earthy. We're of the dirt. And our humanity is actually the place where God's, the power of the spirit is meant to be incarnated so that we become living expressions of the gospel. Paul would even coin it as living epistles of Christ, not written with pen, but written by the spirit of God upon our hearts, known and read by all. So the way that we can, we can measure and say, check, the litmus test is good, is the, the encounters with God's spirit are then overflowing into the world for the flourishing of the people that are around me. If we can, if we can push like 10, 10 extra minutes before the kids come in, okay, great. We got till 610. See, the Lord answers prayer. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. The sun stood still. So God's power is intended to flow to us, do a work in us, and then manifest through us. This is one of the reasons that I deeply admire, trust, and respect Heidi Baker. She is a mystic. She will have, I mean, she's had times where she has been out in the spirit under the power of God for multiple days. But when she does get up, she goes and she manifests a love that has honestly intimidated me. The, the fruit of her life, the power of God through her, right? The, the, it's incarnational. She's a living epistle. And I spent time in her presence and I read, I know it, I read it and it marked me. God's power to her resulted in fruit through her. Encountering God's power is pleasurable. Say pleasurable. And it should be enjoyed. Like seriously. 
Like seriously, delight yourself in the Lord. You know, heaven will be enjoying him for endless ages. So we, 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 should, we should long, we should love to encounter the presence and the power of God. It's so pleasurable. But I would also say that encountering God is painful because seeing God demands that we be transformed, which is a spiritual word for change. And how many people love change? You, if you encounter God's power, it will change you. We see this so explicitly with Moses. We don't, we don't, we don't see this part of the story often, but he's, he's in this like ecstasy. He's seeing this burning bush. He steps in, take off your sandals. Takes off his sandals. He hears the voice of the Lord who he's only heard the stories of as a boy of the God who came to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his forefathers. He says, I am he. And he says, and I'm not going to tell you what I told them. This is my name. Yahweh. You can feel his presence right now. But what we miss is that a few minutes later, he's trying to weasel himself out of the call. That's a nervous laugh. He's beholding the manifest presence of the God of Israel. And he suddenly fills the unction to say, no, don't choose me. I can't talk. I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. We don't often meditate on this part of the story. What's Moses doing? He's resisting the change. He's resisting the cost. I don't want that. See, this is the heart of the Gnostic deception. It says, I want the pleasures of intimacy without the inconvenience of pregnancy. Oh. 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 I want to experience the joy of union. But I don't want to have to persevere through parenting. I want a shot in the pan. But I don't want to carry this thing all the way through. Oh. Oh. Every encounter with power is intended to give birth to a manifestation of Christ in you. It is glorious and it is costly. It will cost you your life to yield to the power of God because that power will take on the form of a love that compels you beyond your comfort zone. It will compel you to go where you wouldn't go. Humanity is longing for the manifestation of spiritual power. 
It does not matter where you go on this planet. You will find witch doctors in Africa who have I have heard stories of, of witch doctors that will live underwater for three months, summoning water spirits. This is real. This is real stories. This is, this is, I, I, eyewitnesses I've heard this from. You will find gurus in India that do things like levitation, all types of manifestations. They'll levitate. That might sound weird to some of our academic Western minds, but this is, this is real. And, and we think that it's just for the global south, uh, but the psychic industry alone, just psychics in the United States of America in 2022 was almost a $2.3 billion industry. <laughs> oh, this isn't just for the African villages. This is in the inner, the, the inner cities and the, the educated quarters of Boston and Wall Street. Like this is, there's a thirst for power in the heart of humanity. But not all spiritual power is godly. So I just want to briefly give a small exhortation out of Luke 11.20 that gives insight into characterizing God's power from just a general power. The power of God is evidence of the inbreaking of the coming kingdom. Luke 11.20, Jesus says, If by the finger of God I cast out demons then the kingdom of God has come in your midst. God's power manifests in acts, say acts, acts or actions of redeeming love done for the purpose of human flourishing, healing, deliverance from demonic oppression or physical oppression, the empowerment of people, uh, communication, bestowing identity, whatever it is, it's, it's actions that are oriented to cause people to flourish. So it's actions, it's outer actions. By the finger, I cast out demons. But God's power produces fruit, say fruit. So it's both an act of redeeming love married to fruit, and the fruit is peace, joy, and righteousness. It says the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. So God's power is actions of love that produce the fruit of peace, joy, and righteousness. Peace, or in the Hebrew, shalom, is more than just a nice sense of calm. It's, it's a restoration to the harmony of the created order. So when God finished creation in perfection, it was shalom. So we have to understand that physical healing is a manifestation of shalom. It's making what's wrong right. We have to understand that when there's deliverance from oppression, it's making what was wrong right. It's shalom. Isaiah 9.4, you shall break the yoke of this. Talking about Emmanuel coming. So speaking of Emmanuel, you will break the yoke of their burden and the staff off their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Isaiah 61, liberty. He proclaims liberty to captives, joy, peace, joy. Joy is a state of happiness, gratitude, celebration, a happy heart. If you're happy and you know it, your face will surely show it. Jesus turns water into wine at the end of a party when everybody's drunk their fill. This is the most needless miracle in all of scripture. Good thing God values joy. Joy. 
This is Isaiah 9.3, talking about Emmanuel. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest. God's power will produce the fruit of joy to the heart of those that have been joyless. Lastly, righteousness, moral purity, justified by God, sanctified to become a partaker of God's holiness. Sinners become saints when encountering God. Saul changed from a religious radical, killing people in the name of God, to the apostle of grace. He became righteous. Lastly, I want to give one big area of distinguishment because I talk to people all the time in this, in this country telling me about spiritual experiences they're having in spiritual places with spiritual people. And I feel there's a lack of discernment often. We just think anything that's powerful must be God. And this is because the Western church is babies in the power of God. And I actually believe that when we stunt an understanding of God's power in the church, we actually set people up to drift into other places. I, I think psychic is so big, $2.3 billion. That's like $10 per person, just so you know. Per person living in America is spending money on psychics. It's because they don't know that God's powerful and God has a voice and that God can bring freedom and that God can bring peace and that God can bring joy. They don't know this. That's why we gotta talk about this stuff. All right, but here's a big distinguishment, is where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Say freedom. The power of God is sourced by love, which means there's no coercion, no strings attached. It's given freely. Jesus healed 10 lepers. He knew only one of them was gonna be a disciple. He doesn't give out of manipulation. He gives out of love, and love is free. I will love you freely, and I demand nothing. I require nothing. I give because I love. God releases power out of love. The demonic will always have, demonic manifestations of power will, will often guise itself as light. It'll look good on the outside. It will look like an active human flourishing, but there will always be an element of control. There'll be a string attached. There'll be a dependency created because demonic power is oriented towards human destruction, not human flourishing. Amen. All right, this is the last thing I'm going to do, and then we're just going to, we're going to just, we're going to just jump in. And um, is I want to give a brief frame for, framework for understanding impartation. Has anybody heard this word impartation? Um, here's a couple scriptures for those that haven't. Romans 1.11, Paul's writing to the Roman church, and he says, I'm longing to see you that I may come and impart a spiritual gift to you. In other words, Paul's expressing that through there's a transference of grace that he could impart to churches. He, he was gifted by God to impart grace to churches. 1 Timothy 4.14, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's reminding them. He says, don't neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So again, it's speaking of this transference of grace through the laying on of hands and prophecy. Uh, spiritual authority or the grace of God, it is given, often it's given to fivefold ministers within the church. And they, uh, they've been given uh, grace for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry is what Ephesians chapter 4 says. So it says the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers were given a charis, a gift, a grace gift from Jesus. And that gift was for the flourishing of the church 
So meaning that what was given was to be released into the church. This is a similar principle to what Jesus, when he sends out the disciples by two, he says, freely you received, freely you shall give. There's a principle of generosity that's true in the spirit, just as it is in the natural. And impartation through the laying on of hands is part of how these gifts of grace and the power of God is often transferred from one person to another and, and, and ministers, those that have been given governmental grace within the church have been given grace to impart to believers. So here's just a few quotes by a few people. And then, and then we're, I'm, I'm going to uh, share a few things that I believe God wants to do some impartation tonight. So this is uh, by a, a man named Charles Yossi. He says, impartation is one spiritual resource that ensures the didactic transfer of grace from one party to the other. That's a theological way of saying you lay hands and there's a release of grace. Right, this is a, a little quote by Chris Vallotton. He says, the, this impartation ability is a gift. And within Christianity, it's done under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and accompanied often with a prophetic word. This cannot be done when the person, whenever a person wants, but it's something that has to be initiated by the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, uh, some man named Robert Goulet. He, he says, there are several ways in which impartation takes place. One is when listeners receive something through the teaching of teachers. Another is through preaching. Another is through modeling, since actions speak louder than words. Another is the anointing with oil through the laying on of hands with prayer. Another is when people allow the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be loosed through them. Great things are often released into people's lives through words and actions, and lastly, in worship and in prayer. So it's a very elementary teaching, but there's something of a grace transfer that power can come upon a life and then be released to others. It's, it's this principle of generosity, yes? So I'm gonna, I'm, I, have, I, I, I haven't done this before. But I, 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 had, I actually had a series of encounters with God this week. One of them was when I wrote that, that, <laughs> that thing I read earlier. I'm not going to read it again because I can't recover. <laughs> but here, here's what I, here's what I, um, here's what I, I feel slightly... Um, I feel slightly overcome right now, but I'm going to, I have two testimonies of God's power in my own life that I felt the Lord say, I want you to release. And as you release these testimonies, they're going to be prophecy for some of you and that God's power is going to touch some of you as I share this. And then, and then I, lastly, I, I have a prophetic word, which I don't share lightly. Um, it's something I, I want to prophesy um, into what I believe the Holy Spirit is doing over the next year of this church. And I believe there's an impartation that's going to come with it. So I'm not trying to be super spiritual up here or weird. I'm just going to talk very normally. But I believe that God's power is going to, is, is going to begin to rest. It's going to increase in this room for some of you. And what I want you to do is if you're experiencing God's power, meaning you're having a manifestation of his presence in a way that's not happening right now, but it starts happening over the next like five minutes. I just want you to stand to acknowledge before the Lord that something's happening to you. And it will also increase faith for those around you that, that God's doing something. So the, the first thing I, I just want to share is I had an encounter with God's delivering love. Uh, it, was, it was about 
I guess it was maybe 14, 14 or 15 years ago, but I was in a season of my life when I was uh, profoundly depressed and I potentially would have been diagnosed like a bipolar because I look back on, on there, I had very, very high emotional highs and emotional lows. And um, I'll share this not to sound spiritual, but uh, more to give you insight to how distressed I was. But there was there were many times in the season I was begging God to, to let me die. And that wasn't a spiritual thing. That was a soul that was uh, in a very, very distressed state of being. But um, in this this time, uh, I was very distraught, very disturbed, highly, highly depressed. I was not on medication. I'm sure they would have put me on it if I would have told someone. And I, I in this kind of dark night, dark place, I had an encounter with Jesus. And I had never had anything like this, but it was, it was like a vision, maybe not quite an open vision, like I could still see, but I could see that it was like I was watching on a TV screen, and I saw myself running through the middle of the night, and I was being chased by a pack of wolves, and I knew the wolves were the depression that was plaguing me physically, emotionally. Uh, I was addicted. I, I, multiple addictions of, of self-medicating at this point. And it was just all the darkness. And I saw myself running, trying to get away from all this darkness. And I just watched it for the longest time until finally, it's like I couldn't run anymore. And I just collapsed on the ground. And I'm just watching in the fetal position, shaking like a leaf as I hear these pack of wolves just getting closer and closer and closer. And I'm watching this like this is my life and this is when I die. And right as these wolves are about to kind of jump on me, devour, it was like something just changed. And these two big paws came over me. I looked and it was so bright, I couldn't even see what it was. And then I made out the form, it was like this massive lion. And I heard the loudest roar. I heard it like I heard anything I've ever heard in my life, but this roar. And I just heard the words, he's mine. And in that moment, just everything changed. And all I could describe for, for a long time was it was like waves of love just broke into parts inside of me. And I couldn't describe it, but it was like everything changed and yet nothing changed. But everything changed. And I just want to release this as testimony that was about four or five months later. I was in a psychology class at the time because I was studying my undergrad. And my teacher, I was, I'm an introverted person. I didn't talk in class or anything like that. My teacher sent me an email and said, I don't know what happened to you over the course of the last year of your life. She said, but I can tell that something very significant has taken place by the countenance on your face when you sit in my classroom. I went from begging God to die <laughs> to a manifestation of peace that was speaking for me. He, he is powerful. The, God, the, the power of God has the ability to change us from depressed, broken, in bondage to, to delivered and free. Uh, the second testimony I, I feel I'm supposed to release is actually my call to ministry. Um, I, I believe that God's going to speak to, there's a number of people that you have been in a, a place of like vocational wrestling. Like you've been searching 
for what you are called to do and you haven't you just haven't been able to sort it out and i've heard vocation defined as where your deep passion intersects with the world's great need where where god gives you the passion of his heart this painful desire even and it intersects with a place of need suffering in the world and i i i, I it was in a years of this for me and i had an encounter with the power of god and i was uh, i was sleeping it was actually a dream in my dream, I woke up to, uh, it was as if, it was as if a, like, you know, a hundred volts of electricity was, was just pummeling through, pummeling through my body and I was flapping like a fish, like a fish out of water. And there was a, a messenger, like a messenger from God who was, had his hands on me. And as I was shaking, shaking, I looked up and I saw this person with his hands on me and I was shaking, shaking, shaking. And he took his hands off and I I kind of slowly came to and I looked up and he, it was like I was laying on a bed, but I was still asleep. And he looked at me and he said, quit doubting who you are. You're called to the bride. You're called to the bride. You're called to the bride, Jordan. And then he put his hands back on me and I started shaking again, like shaking, 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 shaking. So, so much so that I then wake up out of the dream and I'm like, <gasps> and I like sitting up, in the middle of the night, it was so visceral, it was physical. And that was when God called me to the bride. And I just have a sense that God is releasing power to some tonight. Um, in, in the area of vocational assignment, he's releasing identity. I'm gonna take a risk, but I actually feel like there's someone that's gonna listen to this on live stream and you live in the Salt Lake City area and God is actually gonna call you out of this tension that you've been into a vocational assignment and you are called to the bride and I feel like you're a young man. I think you're married or you're about to be married, but God is gonna call you to vocational and he says, yes, I've called you to the church. And I feel like God's saying it's not yet, you need to be trained. You need to be trained. You need to be trained. And I also just feel like remind, I don't know who this is, but you can come to Boise and we'll train you. So Okay, the last thing I'm gonna prophesy, and I, I wrote this down, and I'm, I, I just wanna preface this by saying I am not a prosperity gospel preacher in any way, shape, or form, but I do believe in the goodness of God and that God is a God committed to inheritance. So I'm just gonna read what I feel the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week. Uh, I prophesy a release of financial miracles over the next season of this church. Similarly to how Jesus first manifested his glory through the most unnecessary miracle ever recorded, water into wine, Jesus is going to manifest his glory here through financial miracles. Like the book of Acts, spirit-initiated acts of radical generosity are going to break through the strongholds of mammon, consumerism, independence, and scarcity mindsets. This will create a sense of awe and wonder amongst the community of God as testimonies are released that reveal God's desire to bestow inheritance upon his people. Faith is going to rise. An overflow of generosity and blessing will begin to spill into our city. Unbelievers will come to faith through this overflow. Jehovah Jireh will be known in this land. Ho. Ho. 
Yeah, so if you are standing, I'm going to invite you to come forward. If you're standing to acknowledge God's presence is, is coming upon you. And I'm just going to continue to pray. And, if, and as we pray, if you, if you, I know there's a few standing. I just want the few to come. And, and again, this is not some sort of a, this isn't some sort of like a, we're going to try to make this happen and this needs to be something for everybody. Uh, I just believe we're going we're gonna to steward what God is doing. But what I'm going to ask you to do is just for a few minutes, I find that the way that the power of the Lord moves is he, he ebbs and he flows. So there's times where there's a flow of his presence then there's times like a wave when it pulls back. And so what I'm going to ask us to do right now is if you're experiencing an ebb, meaning there's nothing, I just want you to walk into the ebb and I want you to just come with me right now in your heart. If you're sitting down, um, whatever it is, but if, if God's flowing, if you're in the flow, I just want you to give yourself to the flow of his presence. But if you're in an ebb, I just, I don't want you to question what's happening. I just want you to walk into the ebb because that's how you go deeper. Because there's some of you that, that you aren't experiencing his presence, but you're about to in just maybe a few minutes, if you'll just kind of press in and stay engaged. So Lord, we thank you for your power that is at work in this place right now. I'm going to ask the elders of the church as they feel prompted to come and lay hands. And I believe that this is actually a moment of impartation that's taking place in this house into some of you. And so Holy Spirit, we ask right now for the impartation of your grace. God, for whatever reason, my brothers and sisters are, are coming forward or or standing right now. God, we just say do it. God, if it's, if it's your delivering love that's coming in power, Lord, I ask that you will break the rod of oppression in this place tonight. Break it, God. Break it, God. Break it, God. Release deliverance, God, and a defining word, Lord. You define us in your love by your power, Lord. Come by your power right now. We thank you for your power, Lord. If, it's, if there is a release of identity and calling and vocation, we just say, come, Lord. Come with your power power right now. God, break, break whatever the, 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 the lack of clarity, the confusion, break confusion and release power right now, God, that your power would come just as your power, God, you encountered Peter and you turned him from a fisherman to an apostle, God, as you encountered Paul, God, as you encountered Moses, God, let there be burning bushes tonight in this house by your power, Lord. Let a release of your power. Lord, and I thank you for those. I just have a sense that there are those that you are being called into active participation with God in being a miracle worker in the realm of finances. I just thank you, Lord, that your presence is coming upon some. I feel like there's someone or maybe multiple people that you've been asking the Lord lately, what am I supposed to do with my money? And I feel that the presence of the Lord is coming upon you right now, and he's actually reorienting. And if you will yield to his power, he is going to transform you 
He's going to transform. He's releasing a revelation of generosity into your heart. And I feel like some of you may have a lot of money, but you may not have much money at all. It's not about how much money is in your bank account. It's about how much generosity is in your heart. And God is looking for participants with him in this miracle working business. And I just thank you for the manifestation of power tonight, God, that your power is going to initiate and author a wave of financial miracles in this house. Lord, I thank you that you are by your spirit, God, releasing inheritance. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit. You know, I wrote this and I feel I'm supposed to speak and I just felt the Lord also tell me for Father's Day, I'm going to release a dispensation of the inheritance of the Holy Spirit to my sons and daughters. I am the father of lights and I will make my generosity known in this place. So we just say, do it, God, do it, do it, God, do it, God. Thank you that your power is in this place, Holy Spirit. You know, I have a sense there may be a person or two that you had a physical pain in your body and that you've been healed. You're literally healed. If you're healed, I just want you to tell, it's like almost be. I think it might, it may have been a hip. Someone got healed in their hip. If that's you, will you just come forward? Or maybe. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you for your power, God. Thank you for your presence, Lord. We give space for you to be God in this house. If, if you need to go, you can go. I, I hope that's clear. But you don't need to go. And I just, I just feel led to just kind of keep walking into this ebb right now. This is what I was talking about. There's ebbs and flows. And I'm just going to keep walking into this ebb right now. And if you need to go, you can go. But Lord, I just, we just press in, we press in, we press in and say, God, release, 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 God, release, God, release, God, release. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Hey, Ron, will you stand up? Ron, yeah, will you stand up? So the Lord says, I'm going to. There's an evangelistic calling upon your life. And I, the Lord says, you're a fisher of men. I see the Lord enlarging your net and you're gonna begin pulling people in. And the Lord, the, Lord, the Lord calls you father. He says, you're a good father. You're a good father. You're a good father, Ron. 
you're a good father. And I feel that the Lord gave you promises in your early days of salvation. And I feel like even he marked you by what you saw with waves of evangelism. And I hear the Lord saying, you're gonna see a greater glory and you're gonna be a part of, of a fishing of men movement. You're gonna be a part of seeing people that are far out coming home. And I just thank you, God. Just thank you, Lord. We just ask that your Holy Spirit will come upon this man of God, this man of God, there's so much inside of you that the Lord's gonna to begin to release through you. He's gonna release through to this house. I just see you, I don't know, I see you, uh, I see you going, I see you going. I see you going and, and sharing good news and I see you bringing people with you. And I see the Lord bringing spiritual sons into your life. I feel like the Lord's saying, I'm gonna touch this place where there's been loneliness. And I feel the Holy Spirit's even touching it tonight. He's touching a place that there's been loneliness in your heart. And he's saying, I am filling it and I've been cultivating. It's like he's, it's this passion. And I just feel like there's something of a vocational release coming to you in this season of your life that's gonna release a shift. There's gonna be a fresh wave of momentum that's coming upon you. It's a fresh wave of momentum coming upon you. And it's almost like you've been paddling and paddling and paddling. And I just see the Lord, he's bringing you right to the place where the waves are beginning to crash and you're gonna catch the wave and you're gonna ride the wave. Oh, I see you riding the wave. So I just bless you, man of God. We just release fresh grace, fresh momentum, fresh Fresh, Lord, I thank you that the latter, the glory of the latter days will be greater than the former. Ho! Yeah, I feel like there's people of the older generation that you resonated with what I just prayed. And if you do, I just want you to go and let, let Ron lay hands on you. Let Ron lay hands on you. There's a release of grace gonna come through Ron. If you're an older generation and what I just spoke, it resonated with you. I want you to go and just let, let Ron pray and lay hands on you. And the Lord, I just feel the Lord's gonna, he's gonna do something in your heart. Thank you, Jesus. 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 I can't see very well, so I don't know who you are, but you're holding a baby in the very back there. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Could you stand up? I can't see. Forgive me if... Who is it? What is your name? What is her name? Will someone tell me? Anna Joe. Yeah, just the Lord is on you. I just feel like he wants you to know he's with you. He is with you and his favor is upon you. And I just see the Lord really like smiling over you. And I feel like you've been carrying, uh, you've been carrying uh, all these things so well. And I just said the Lord's coming. It's like he's lifting your load. And I don't know if you were calling out, asking for his help, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit just wants you to know I am your helper and I'm with you and I'm helping you. I'm helping you. And it's I don't know, almost where things can feel overwhelming, but I just see the Lord bringing peace to you. I just, it's shalom. The Holy Spirit is bringing shalom to your body, 
feel like he's touching your body. He's bringing restoration to your body. He's touching you and just even seeing he's bringing peace to your emotions. I don't know if there's been anxiety in some form or capacity, but I feel the Lord just saying, I'm with you and I'm manifesting peace. I just see shalom coming upon you from heaven and he's just like strengthening you. You have everything you need. You have everything you need. If God is for you, who can stand against you? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There's a, there's a shepherding heart in you. And I feel the Lord, I see you, I see you with a grace for little people. There's something about you and, and little people and, and just really discipling young hearts and young minds. There's a shepherding call to the young that God's given you. And I just feel like how you show up is, it's really beautiful. And God loves the way that you love the young and the vulnerable and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, and the the little ones. And so I just bless you. I just bless you and I just say, Holy Spirit, release. Release your presence upon your daughter. Release your comfort. The Holy Spirit's really with you as a comforter. You've known him as comforter, but I just see him coming right now. It's like his, his comfort's just falling on you in a, in a weighty, like a weighty comfort of the Lord. I just say comfort, 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 Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Mark, will you stand up? Yeah, the Lord, you're a forerunner. The Lord says you've run well and you've ran hard and you've been breaking through. I see you with like a machete in your hands, clearing this path and clearing this path and clearing this path. And it's almost like you're, I just see you're like sweat dripping from you and you've come to a clearing. You're like, I don't know if, how much further can I go? Like, what am I doing? And I feel the Lord saying, just keep going. And I just feel like he's, he's filling you with perseverance right now. And I see you're about to press in. You're about to press through into this wide place. I see Psalm 18 where Jesus says, you delivered me, you rescued me, you brought me into a broad place. And I feel the Lord saying, I have a broad place prepared for you. And the seeds that you have been sowing and the path that you've been paving through your, your perseverance, it's not fruitless, it's not in vain, and it's about to turn. There's about to be a turn. I feel like the Lord's saying, I'm releasing a fresh wind. It's like there's going to be a wind at your back. It's almost like if you've been running into the wind and you didn't know it, as soon as you turn around, it's like, wow, this isn't like, it's different. I just feel the Lord releasing a fresh wind to you tonight to continue running, to continue pressing in. I just thank you, Lord, that you're releasing vocational, vocational clarity, God. I just, I just ask for your power to encounter Mark tonight, God, that you'd encounter your son, Lord, and that you would just release a dispensation, God, a revelation of who he is in you, God. I just ask that you would mark him for your purposes, Holy Spirit. Mark him for your purposes, Holy Spirit. Mark him for your purposes, Holy Spirit. You are called, chosen, and marked. Mark him with your power, God. Mark him with your power, God. I don't, know, I don't know your name right here, but the Lord is on you. The Lord's on you. He sees the hunger of your heart. I just feel like you're pulling. I see that you're pulling on heaven tonight. And the Lord just wants you to know he's with you and he's upon you. His power is for you. You hear his voice much more clearly than you think you do. 
Oh, there's a call on your life. There's just a call on your life. There's a call on your life. You're not overlooked. Oh, you're like a David. You're like a David out with the sheep. You're like a David out with the sheep where the Lord says, I've chosen you. I've chosen you. I've chosen you. And he's chosen your hands. Your hands are holy. Your hands are anointed. Your hands are chosen by God. There's healing hands. Oil flows from these hands. And I just thank you, God. I thank you, God, that my brother, God, called chosen and, and set apart.